This podcast includes explicit language and situations. It is intended for adults 18 years of age and older. These thoughts and opinions are those not of any specific group, employer, or individual. Listener discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign with your hosts, Justin M. Reardon and Kelly Hanahan. All right, Justin, welcome back to now episode seven of uh, Behind the Yard oh, Sign. Man. I know, it's so fun. We're like kind of getting the hang of it now. It's nice. I, I like it. I am so excited about this episode. Kelly. I know. I we have some you. great guests coming. Some of our absolute favorite clients um, get happy at home from Seattle. So, And they are very entertaining. And I've never met them. So I'm super pumped to meet them and hear their story. So it'll kick in the face. Uh, I, I, I kind of fangirl them a little bit because my dream scenario, right? Like I do marketing and messaging and social media at Spade and Archer. And I talk about home staging and the value of these things and well-prepared homes and all the time, right? And like my dream would be if real estate agents had the time or the interest or the skill sets to engage more online because of like what I know it would mean to their business, especially during COVID times. So I just like, I can't wait to get my hands right. on Get Happy at Home because they're like the masters. They're amazing at their social media presence. And and the thing is with real estate agents is like, these are one man shows. Like this is, you know, it's Jill and mm-hmm. she's a real estate agent and it's very hard for her to have time to do, to do all of her selling of real estate and then also manage online presence. I mean, you're our online presence person. You spend 40 hours a week doing our online presence and talking about how our marketing and our social media is going. I certainly don't right. have time to do that. If I had like a half an hour a day, I'd be right. lucky. But you know, there are 21 of us. Most real estate agents are not working on a team with 21 Of course, people, it's always so. a matter of time and resources. Even with my full-time job in 40 hours, you know, if we had like limitless resources, they'd be like, can I have my own team? Because like we have ideas, oh, yeah. ideas and ideas for days. Right. And it's just, it always comes down to prioritizing things. And real estate agents are doing the exact same thing. How do we prioritize marketing when I'm just trying to get all these transactions done? And there never seems to be enough time. So they've just, I can't wait to hear about how they structure that because I know they have a team now and, and you know, what worked are doing themselves and, and all of those things. So what I guess I love, but I love seeing all their stuff on social because, um, first of all, I love our clients that make our look good, <laughs> which they do. right Right? like they make us look great too so um that's super fun but you know i think what's so incredibly pertinent for this time um in real estate is just really emphasizing the importance of well-prepared homes versus what we call homes that sit that are not well-prepared stale donuts and you've been doing this for 10 years so yeah and it's it's become even more amplified right now i mean i i call it a civil market remember civil it was that that movie with sally field and she had like five personalities we're in like a total civil market right now where stuff is either selling for $175,000 over asking or we're getting phone calls and like my house has been on the market for six months and it's not moving any help. And there's no, there doesn't seem to be any in between. There's nothing like, you know, oh, it's sold for 10,000 under. Like that doesn't seem to happen. If it doesn't go for at or over, it just doesn't sell at all. Right. And so I've, I'm finding that buyers are less and less tolerant of poorly prepared yeah. homes. They just won't do it. What's amazing about the guys that are coming out later on get happy is that they will go through and like renovate the entire house. They, these guys are amazing. They lead a horse to water. They get it to drink and then ask for more. <laughs> the way that they deal with their clients is just amazing. And what I love about working with them and a lot of our agents is that they take our work, they hire fantastic photographers who make our work leave mm-hmm. even better. It always kills me when uh, we have an agent who like runs the entire they sprint the entire race they paint the house out they redo the landscaping they stage it they restretch the carpets they clean them they do the whole thing and then they (laughs) 
hire a photographer who uses like a massive fish eye right. lens and makes the whole house look ridiculously stupid. And it's just like, oh, you got so close. I know. So well, close. I feel like, I mean, and <sighs> I mean, we have a lot of great clients, but I feel like a lot of the agents from Cole were Banker Bain out of Seattle and Portland. You know, when they're making one choice about a well-prepared home, they're making a lot of other really great decisions. So you can really see like soup to nuts when they really try to make this house look amazing that they're doing it thoroughly all the way through. Absolutely. And it's it's one of those things where like it becomes a part of a culture of an office. Yeah. And so, you know, whether you're with Cobalt Banker Bain or you're with Windermere or you're with uh, Hassan or yeah. Living Room, it becomes a part of the culture that you're seeing everybody else's listings and how mm-hmm. good they look. And, you know, you're like, hey, who'd you use for photog- your photographer? And then, you know, they get put together and you see these listings. It just get consistently, it becomes like a part of a culture of an office. It's amazing. And, you know, there are some cultures that like we are just not a part of. Like we don't match that business model. And so we don't end up working for those companies. But for our mainstays, the ones that we're working with consistently, they're so good. They put out such good products. And I'm not afraid that if I have an agent who lists a project, I'm like, hey, by the way, do you need recommendations for a photographer? Because I can mm, get you a good right. one. <laughs> And like knowing those good photographers and getting on their schedules, it's it's tough to do. And they are such a vital part of your team. The photographer, the home stager, the janitorial people, yeah. like the cleaning people, the landscape people. These are the people as a real estate agent that you want to treat with the utmost respect and, and with kid gloves. These are the folks that can make or break your listing. And I got to tell you, like if you're difficult to work with and mean and unpleasant, they just charge you more money because they don't like sure. working with you. And so, I mean, it can save your clients a ton of money just by being nice. Sure. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that, that Get Happy at Home does. We're going to talk to them in a little while. And they treat their people with respect. We've been working with them for, gosh, I think four years now. They treat us so well, consistently. We are part of a team. We're not just a service provider you know it works for them i mean they're doing really well they're keeping us alive in covid like it works well for us like it's they're selling homes they're selling homes for over asking in a pandemic i mean it's it's crazy and so for people who maybe haven't been part of that culture that you described where you're hiring like not just effective or affordable or you know where the return of investment is obvious but also really awesome people to work with yeah and they've got these properties that they haven't done a whole lot to and in that regard of hiring vendors to do the work to prepare the home. What do you say to those people who say, well, I think it'll be fine if we don't do XYZ, we don't stage, we don't paint, we don't do any of these things. What do you say to those people, especially now that it's such a vulnerable market? I I think that, you know, I belong to a lot of Facebook pages with lots and lots of real estate agents talking to each other because they they get ideas and referrals from each other. Probably 95% of the referrals that I see asked for, the first word is inexpensive. I'm looking for an inexpensive foundation person. I'm looking for an inexpensive electrician. I'm looking for an inexpensive home stager. And you're going to get what you pay for. McDonald's sells beef. Ringside Steakhouse sells Mm -hmm. beef. McDonald's is going to win on price every single time. And if you're okay with giving the largest investment of your life over to the McDonald's of electricians or home stagers or janitorial, I would have to question that. If your first priority is inexpensive, that might be a problem. I think my first priority is like, do you have someone who's gonna show up on yep. time? Do you have somebody who's going to treat my client with respect? Do you have somebody who is not gonna change order me to death and constantly change their prices? Do you have somebody who is going to do a good yeah. job? So I would say like, do you have a value person, someone who's valuable? I don't mind paying a little bit more if that person is gonna make my life easier. We had an experience with a terrible locksmith in Los Angeles. They were the least expensive and he came out and broke the locks 
and it was terrible. And we'll talk more about that after this, but I'm super excited to talk to Matt and Ian. What do you think? I think we should go do it because now I want to find out, now that you've like hyped them up like that, I want to find out exactly what they're doing to communicate the value of the investment of the well-prepared home. Like how do they do that? That's what I really want to know. Don't, let's not forget to ask, okay? (laughs) Okay, all right. (laughs) All right, here we go. Actually recording. We are live. Now we're live. Here with Matt and Ian. This is Team Get Happy at Home uh, with Colwell Banker Bain. Wonderful to be here. Hi, you guys. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having us in your studio. (laughs) (laughs) Live from the Spade and Archer Studios. Thank you guys so much for being here. We know that it takes a lot. This is our first time having two guests at once. Matt and Ian are a team. And I think there's there's even more people on your team than just the two of you, right? There's like 97 of you on the team or something like that. Oh my God, at least. Yes. 98 to be exact. (laughs) Okay, so this is really interesting. This is the first team that we've had on the show. So can you just run through like the basic setup of like who does what so matt and i are kind of like we say that we're like the principals of the team or we're we're uh at the top and matt's like our marketing guy and whatnot i'm nuts and bolts and make sure that you know amber who works underneath us she's affectionately known as our baby agent or (laughs) she hates that or um i've always called her our associate broker oh lovely uh yeah (laughs) because i am the uh, i don't know maybe the more like technical one i mean i would also add we have a slew of contractors that work basically for us nearly year round so we have a painter oscar basically all his business comes from us uh we know his schedule we control his calendar our our carpet guys same way this is how we get our listings to sell for so much as we do is we always prep them my role is more listing side too planning what happens to the listings, how they're going to look, how their marketing tenor is going to look, how's it going to look online. And then I'm also kind of responsible for how our marketing as a team looks. What are is our narrative? How are we connecting with clients or staying in touch? I mean, at this point, we have thousands of clients. And I think that's the best part about social media is how you can stay in touch with so many people and they comment, you go back and forth. So actually, I love social media marketing for that reason. Is I love that. I want to talk all about that later. Uh, in the episode. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it sounds like, I mean, this is the, the first time I'm getting you guys. I've, obviously, I see your names through our business and staging all the time. It's just like, Matt Minor, Ian Gordon, Matt Minor, <laughs> Ian Gordon. You guys keep us busy. I know you guys are slammed and busy, even in the craziest of times. I think we met Ian first. We came in for a presentation at your office. And Ian and Chad, like, you know, fell in love and became business lovers. And then uh, I suppose that's really weird where they weren't business lovers. They decided to work together. Um <laughs> And then I don't think we'd ever even heard of Matt before. Matt was kind of like his own thing. Get Happy at Home was like his own and thing. And I had established relationships that I had right. already, you know. So how did that like coming together? How did you guys become a team? What, what, what did that look like? Who was the, the initiator and what was the, what was the process look like? We could start this story with a poolside hotel in Miami. And <laughs> Matt and I, I think, had always, like, we'd have friends in common, and we've been, like, let's say, like, periphery friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like... We, we knew, knew each, each other. other. Yeah, yeah. I first met Matt at his, like, I think it was your 30th birthday at Eric's house in Madison Valley. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> I think everybody showed up to that party, though. It was you. <laughs> <laughs> like, all of Matt's friendships were forged on his 30th birthday. We had this uh, Gen Blue, which is Cobalt Bank, 
national conference and it was in Miami and it was the first one that I had ever gone to. We hung out at the pool and the the big joke with Matt was that he didn't go to like a lot of the classes because that wasn't the value for him. It was more so like the referral <laughs> network and like some of the social aspect. And then mm-hmm. like we're in Miami, it's a vacation that you can write off. So the big joke was, oh, Matt, did you happen to know that there was a conference going on for Caldwell uh, Banner while right. you took your trip to Miami? <laughs> By the way, you guys, those classes are all like rah rah, Coldwell Banker, and you know what I mean. Like that's I teach those classes. I feel you. Yes, I feel you. I've been doing this a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I only went to like a couple because I also kind of knew that I had gone to like Remax conventions, and I was like, okay, I get the gist here. Mm -hmm. Anyways, Matt and I just hung out at the pool with Brian. And like we were working and we were like selling houses and doing all this stuff. And then the flash forward, I would say like No, no, he's fast forwarding too far. So then we were at this uh we were at this uh what was that bar on uh, in in Florida where the drag queens were so like we were at this and we had so much fun and we were like quick friends. Then fast forward, like I don't remember the end of the night, right? Then fast forward, I was like totally exhausted. And it was like Fourth of what, July. three years ago, 4th of July? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and they were going to take and, the boat out for like a week I was like, I need to get the F out of here. Sorry, my language again. <laughs> so then we went out. I wanted to take the boat out for like eight days, be gone. I was slammed. I was so slammed. And it was really oh, hard, wait, but I had no, to take we, a break. We have a little bit before that, though. <laughs> our two simultaneous remodel projects. That was like step one, because you had Meridian Tower. Oh, I helped you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I had yeah, 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 giant yeah. condos. We both separately had started these like projects. And we were just like, we're just going to dive in and see what happens, not knowing that each other had done it. And so Matt called me one day and he was like, well, what do you think of this? And what do you think of that? And I was like, where are you? I'll just come down there and look. And then I threw some stuff at him and then it like slowly morphed into us like really kind of handholding each other on some of these remodeling type things that we were doing with clients because we just thought it was fun. The design side was super fun. And then Matt was burnt out and had to go out on this boat and like 2000 many things going on. And uh, he was like, well, I don't trust anybody. And that was I, my problem. Like, I just it was hard to find somebody to take over that you thought would do it the way yeah, you wanted. that you thought would do a good yeah. job, you know? Yeah. And I kept saying, I was like, well, you should take a trip or you should do this. Like, you know, I'll help out because it's like if we're all on our own, it can be a little bit lonely. And then too, like when you do want to go out of town, it's not like you can you really don't take a enjoy break. your trip and no. still be working. Every, so, every picture I have of me on vacation is me by a pool on a laptop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's for like, pretty, I mean, pretty much yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Now that you guys are a team, can one of you take a vacation and the other one and like actually take a vacation? Can, is it possible at this point? It's more possible. It's not entirely yeah, it's possible, more possible. <laughs> but it's more Matt's possible. Matt's like better at it than I am because I just have a problem like really completely unplugging for the most part. I also feel guilty after a while. That's kind of my problem. We just hit 21 employees. And for the first time since I owned the company 10 years ago, I went on a vacation to Cuba. I was there for 10 days. There was no internet. There was no Wi-Fi. There was no nothing. And so for 10 days, I completely let my company go, came back, and the company was operating better than it was before. And three days later, COVID hit. And I know. It, took, it got to the point where we, I mean, it's 21 people is the first time that I was like, I can actually let this go and feel comfortable yep. with it. 
Like that worked out so well, I feel like, because COVID hit and it was just like, what are we doing? Welcome and home. it was just like everyone, <laughs> everyone really had to click into their jobs and everyone had to really click into their roles and get real. You know, I think it's good that we did that because everyone had so much ownership over the process. When it first hit, we didn't know what. Like, yeah. what was this going to be? We didn't know mean? what we were in for, and, for real. Yeah. And we're the, all calling each other, like, what are you going to well, do? I don't know yeah, what you're going to do. The, it's still interesting, wouldn't you say? I mean, now that COVID's oh, yeah. rising again, and then you're like, I found modeling, like, what the market dynamics are going to look like going forward in the next year is really hard to do right now. How it's is anyone modeling anything? Yeah. I, that, it's been the hardest thing for me at work right now is, you know, what are we going to be expecting with all these balls in the air right now? You know, like, yeah. is, is are we going to shut back down again? Or is there something else going to happen? Or, you know, what's going to happen with the elections? What's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with that? Totally. It's been really difficult. I think that's been my biggest challenge so far this year is... We're all used to the term now of pivoting. Like, we know how to Ugh. pivot. Constant pivoting. But we're, <laughs> like, literally every single day, like, that gyroscope thing where you're, like, pivot, 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 pivot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like by the hour yeah it's it's almost we have to become comfortable with the unknown because client employees and clients come to me and they're like well what if this happens and right. my answer like, is well when if that happens then we will address it when that happens yeah uh, but at this point i don't really have a good answer for you and we've been using the term the less shitty alternative there is no Correct. good alternative right now it's whatever's less yeah. No, no. Yeah. That's funny you said that because I've literally been using that same line. I'm like, we're going to find the least option and we're just going to take it because yeah. that is what it feels like. I can't wait for this all to be done. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to poof. If we could like fast forward to January 1, 2021, I would hit that button for sure. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. you I know. My biggest question to kind of address that question even more is I'm the marketing person. I do social media. Yeah all the messaging and stuff work with Justin. And like, I'm just obsessed with the sales process. I'm obsessed with working with clients just because I think I love the psychology of everything. So Ian, as soon as you said psychology, I was like, mm, I love it. I love all that stuff. I always talk about feels. Like when I first came to Spade and Archer, I was working with a lot of the DMs on how to like better work with clients and like not get dysregulated in a conversation that might get contentious. Like I love all that stuff. And then from that, we get our messaging and what our brand looks and feels like and all of that. And you guys are so awesome. So like your partnership evolved and then you wanted to be this like single entity and then you like named yourselves get happy at home coming to the Pacific Northwest and now being in real estate and just like seeing you guys build this really amazing brand that is so incredibly different and being able to just like really embrace lifestyle stuff your stuff like you know happy pride month and to everyone and all that stuff and how, how did you guys come to be and make those decisions to have your brand be what it is well I'm actually kind of glad you see it that way because that is what we're trying to do is we want to model our marketing and our branding around the people that we want to work with too. You know, like the people that we'll get along with, the people yeah. that will accept us for mm -hmm. who we are as, yeah. and, and, and we will accept them as well, you know? And before this was all done, basically the way we came up with it, I hired these, these amazing marketing people, Marguerite, Alyssa, and this gal, and I'm forgetting her name right now, and I'm going to be sad about that. Um, but she was a branding coordinator for Boeing. We would we met in Tacoma late at night in this conference room, and she had printed up. Uh, at that time, I'd had I had hundreds of reviews all over the internet, and I didn't know where. You know, they'd be on Zillow, they'd be on Redfin, or not Redfin likely, <laughs> but you know, they would be on all these various platforms. And so she she took them all, put them on paper. You know, just what they were. 
And then we distilled them. We did a word distillation. Like, what is the thing that most people say all the time about working with you guys? You know, what is the what is the flavor? Mm -hmm. I had never thought about it. But Get Happy at Home came from the fact that everybody's basic tenor was the advice was amazing. The hand-holding through the process was amazing. And it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun working with them. They were funny, but they also... You know, when they had to guide or when they had to direct, we did. But we did it in a way that didn't make them feel um, like that's, we were lecturing. Or That's the thing that I find most amazing about you guys is that your brand is super silly. Like you, you are not afraid to play the fool, which I love. But no. at the same time, you guys produce these products that are amazing. I have no idea how you convince your clients to do 10 times the amount of work of any other agent on their homes to prepare them for market. And because you're doing that, your houses are selling like this. So yeah. what is in the secret sauce? That man? is girl, that is why and how we sell it. Like, uh, you know, uh, data. Our listings sell for like a ton more than most agents. We. We have the exact unit in a condo building where ours sold a month before and then everybody saw that comp. And so then they, everyone else tried to sell the same unit for the same money later. And we held a record for two years in the building, you know? Right. So but like, your, your unit looked different than all the other units, right? Oh like, yeah. So the secret in the sauce is, <laughs> think about this. How many buyers have we helped in 15 years or, or 10 years for Ian or whatever, you know, like how many buyers have we listened? How many buyers criteria? Have we heard? We don't have to reinvent that wheel. We just have to go, all buyers care about four or five things. And how can we mold your house to comply with those things? And therefore, all you're doing is making sure that instead of 40% of people liking your house, 90% like it. That's, broaden the scope or broaden the brush. That's it. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I get that. You know that information, but I don't think you knowing the information is the hard part. I think you can you can take a straight to person to the bar. You can't make them drink a daiquiri. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. how do you get your clients to come with you? How do you like pull that horse to make it drink? Data. You show them. Data. I mean, well, I mo think too. Like most of these clients work in tech, and you know that. Yeah. That's it. And Smart. all I have to do is present a cogent argument about the effects of what we do versus not doing it. I leave it to them. I don't tell them what to do. I never tell yeah. anyone what to do. Yeah. I'm just consulting. Yeah. So when we put out our mark, like you know, somebody calls us for a listing appointment. The first appointment is we are just learning about them. We're seeing the house. We're kind of grading the house as to where it's going to land. And what we tell people they need to do is always very, 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 varied. It yeah. varies mm -hmm. because the houses vary. There's some things like if you looked at our listings, there's some things that always remain the same because they're, they're consistent with all buyers. But getting the client to do it is a matter of showing them what the potential earning looks like. And then being correct, it almost seems like now you have to do these kind of stuff to the listings and then no problem, your house will sell. But if you don't yeah. do them, your house may not sell. The one thing I would add to what Matt said is our only known form of communication is heavy humor and sarcasm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I think too, like, <laughs> if we bring the data and we bring the knowledge and then we package it in this like cute sort of hilarious, funny way, it's also pretty disarming for people. And there's like an inherent trust that kind of builds off of that. That, that makes my brain go crazy because that was going to say everything you guys do in terms of knowing who your people are. It's not about it's not about the fact that it's the data. 
It's that trusting you with it. Yeah. You, you, you know that that's what they need. And so therefore you show up in a way that is approachable, but then you also have like the slam dunk of knowing exactly what motivates them. And they just trust you with everything. Yeah. When we talk about your brand, there is, uh, there are no punches pulled in terms of who you are as people. You are gay men living in Seattle, working in real estate who are sarcastic and humorous. That can be a very vulnerable position that when we put ourselves that far out there, I mean, I remember seeing posts of you guys dressed up as Freddy Krueger drag queens. <laughs> and it wasn't like an that Ian poster in that post. It was like... Justin, was... we were the Kruger sisters. <laughs> Thank you. Know, you. Kruger sisters. It was supposed to be like, you know, like Jersey Shore or something, but like we were Freddy Krueger sisters. Whatever it was. Freddy Krueger's so daughters. Funny. It was very good. But when I when I see that, I mean, I think about There's like... There's such a good backstory to that. Too. Yeah, I want to hear about that. But when, when I see that, I am often afraid to like really put myself out there. Like even, you know, wearing a silly scarf or, you know, talking about my gay family or my black son, I, I feel very vulnerable in those situations. And I'm wondering, one, like, when did you make the decision that you're like, you know, we're just doing it the way we are? And was it a conscious decision? And two, has there been backlash? Have you ever been flamed or oh, yeah. hated on okay. or trolled yeah. on? And what does that feel like? What does it we look have. like? And how do you respond? Yeah. I would love to start this, but like throw it to Matt. My ability to be like, I have my own set of confidence and values, but I think that my ability to be more vulnerable on that side is completely leaning into Matt's yeah. ability to do so. And so that like, that's Aww. how I'll start that. And then I'll let him, uh, you know, say that he just loves women's clothing or something. No, that's not. <laughs> you know what? You, I will tell you that it started when I realized that I was good at sales and I hated that. I hated that I was good. I, I never want, I'm, I am like the antithesis of a salesperson. I want to be anyway. I strive to be. Not only that, but I don't enjoy the connotation, I guess, really at all. I wear my heart on my sleeve and that is the truth. My worst moments at work are when clients treat you like you're something, there's always a Karen everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like when when you're when you're not an equal, then you're a servant. I, I feel the same Correct. way. I hate dealing Correct. with agents that that treat me like we are less than. And it's like yep. I'm on your team. I'm trying to help you out here. Treat and me like a you human. know what though too? When you treat everyone you work with, like our photographer used to say that all the time. He's like, I love photographing with you guys. You guys are so cool. I still got him to do everything I wanted, but I was I liked him. I yeah. thought he was right. a fun guy. I also realized his situation and he's driving around all these houses and dealing with a lot of realtors. I know that's true too. I think that if you do right by people, you put their interests at least equal, if not greater than yours, right? Yeah. And I don't mean that, which is clients or people who work under us. And, and am I guilty sometimes of, of losing patience? Absolutely. Who knows what strain I have on my shoulders at any given moment, right? But I choose to be a good guy, a nice guy, a funny guy. I want to be the guy that I want to be. And people will take it or leave it. There's enough people out there that the people that leave it, you know, Those are and not I, your don't, people. I don't ever have yeah. to know about them. And, yep. and I don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so our marketing is meant to make people smile. It's meant to convey information that's important. You know, you're always battling this fact that people think you're trying to sell them. This is the worst part about sales as a as a mm -hmm. industry is that yeah. it dilutes the good. 
that yeah. some people try to do. And I get it. You know, I, 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 I'm 40 now. I just turned 40 and I have my trusted car guy that I know is not selling me. And that he, mm-hmm. I have my trusted contractors that I know aren't going to try to sneak shit in that they don't need. And I have my, you know what I mean? And I want to be that in real estate. I want to be the guy that people, and most of our business is referrals, almost all of it. Even with our marketing as it is, what we do get tons of new listings through our marketing because people want their houses to look the way we make our houses look. That's great. But honestly, most people hear about us through other people and then check us out online and then realize, oh, they love it or they don't, but I never meet those people. So I only meet the ones that love it. And that's great. It's it's like a weed out effect, yeah. I appreciate that you are as people who are naturally in real estate is sales. As a person in sales, you're an advocate for sales, doing it the right way. Sales is good service and good service is sales. And the thing is, sales isn't anything other than the power of influence. And we've been doing this since we learned to cry in the crib for our parents' attention. You do it naturally too. So like people have it or they don't. And I tell our team all the time, and now maybe they'll understand what I meant more because you just prefaced it so well for me. Use your powers for good. Yeah, that, I say that all the effing time. I say mm-hmm. it all the time. Don't use if if you always do what's right and you make a decision for someone else based on what is correct as you see it. I have been wrong. I've misread a situation. I'm only human. Ninety nine percent of the time, I'm looking at a situation with far more experience than whoever I'm working with, and I have to make a judgment call. And they're going to do what I say. They will. So use your powers for good. Mm-hmm. Don't ever betray that trust between you and your client. Because if you do, your business will fail. And you will fail. And you won't have the esteem or integrity to stand upon that you need in tough times. Our, to piggyback off of what Matt said, our biggest goal is that at the end of the day, people are so happy that they're like, oh, I just had the best experience. I've, I've gone through one of the most stressful things in life, buying or selling a house. And I felt like I had these advocates that I could totally lean on and trust. And then from there, they tell their colleagues and their coworkers yeah. and they're like, these are the guys to work with. And then from there, it just sort of blossoms and, and is really cool. And it's, it's an affirmation to us that we're, uh, in the right direction. Do you, I think. you know our drag character, uh, uh, Matilda? Yeah. That whole thing was like, to me, she looks like that, like, stereotypical real estate agent. Like ah! <laughs> and, 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 and that's yeah, where her character like, kind of like springs like big hair she drives like a 90s mercedes, like mercedes convertible. convertible like she, makeup everywhere she's like whatever her, I will her headshot is uh, 20 years ago yeah yeah uh-huh. yes yeah. from jc yeah, from jc penny's at northgate mall you better believe people it people do okay. not know how we come up with our little characters but somehow like in our little heads those photos and stuff were from my 30th birthday where we did like have this huge drag party and it was like it was absolutely hysterical <laughs> and then that was like i think that we need to like branch out and this use thing. this but i will say too uh, well we wanted to use it but i will say half to like 60 percent of the people at my birthday were clients and mm-hmm. they were like dressed in drag like straight men and like amazon execs like people that were absolutely hysterical and and we had the best time because that's like who were we do parties for our so, clients every yeah. year and uh, well, hopefully this year, I don't know, maybe it'll right. be something else, yeah. but yeah. but um, usually it's around August, September, uh, but we throw parties every year. We The thing is, is like, we truly care about our clients and what's been challenging 15 years in is how many of them there are now and staying in touch. Right. You know, I used to be like, 
I spent six months with you. How can I not care? You know, right. and and that has become way more challenging with when the numbers start getting into the thousands, staying in touch, being able to see what's going on in their life, seeing that they have two kids now. And they were like, you know, I love that. I really love that. And and, and it also it keeps you all in a sphere, if you will, like you, you all are aware you message them congratulations or call them because you're like oh my god you're pregnant you know whatever and our our clients are really cool i gotta be honest with you like we have absolutely awesome clients and again in my in my experience of you guys so far you pull the layer back well they love you because you know you sold their house they also love you because they picked you to work with for a reason because there was trust there and that's the foundation of friendship in addition to business relationships yeah, so it's like right. uh, yeah, yeah. you keep peeling it back you keep peeling it back and it's like you just are very powerful at attracting the right people and i love that and those people are great and every single real estate agent wants to have those positive people in their lives but let's just talk about the other side of it let's talk about the dark side one time at spade and archer you know we had uh, another home stager in town that decided they were going to write horrifically nasty reviews about every single other homestager in town. And I woke up, you know, in the morning and looked at my phone. They were like, you know, this place looks like it's a circus in here. Nobody's going to buy my house. And I, and everything was dirty. I mean, it was like the nastiest, meanest review. And when you see something like that, I mean, your heart drops. Yeah, it does. So when you, when you get flamed online and when you get trolled online, like how do you deal with that? How does it work? So tell me about that. Like, what does that look like for you? Well, <laughs> If we want to talk about worst day ever, I definitely have that. It's like, it's like, uh, yeah, it's very layered story, but we had, we, part of our marketing for listings and mind you, this, uh, particular experience was my own house that we were selling. Part of our marketing is we do like a neighborhood page and we talk about the neighborhood and what we love about the neighborhood. And then part of the other side of it is that we do these blogs that kind of circumnavigate the house and sort of point back in directional to the property. And so in some of our marketing, we had used some terms and we had sort of uh, made it fun and playful and made it on our side the way that we always do it. We had talked about this neighborhood with diversity and how we loved it because we're gay and we love diversity and we love different cuisines and all these things. And this online troll took two screenshots of snippet words and then posted that online and then tagged us. And I wrote it. As if they were racist. Uh, and I would admit, knowing what I know now, I was ignorant. I definitely uh, wasn't sensitive to something that immediately afterward I did. I mean, I was crying. I couldn't believe how big this got. Mm-hmm. And what I was most upset about was the fact that I was ignorant. You know, Central District story. I saw it as, I first of all, I never saw gentrification as a dirty word, right? This is where the ignorance lied. You know, to me, I thought all ships rise with the water. And that's where my fundamental misunderstanding occurred. What I wrote was very insensitive to the African-American community. It was. And I know that now. And I would never write anything like that again. Mm -hmm. However, it was a mistake. And this was in the era of Democrats and liberals persecuting one another for not being pure enough. And I got into the crosshairs and I couldn't understand it because I also have suffered at the hands of rape, not racism, but uh, homophobia, discrimination, prejudice, being not knowing if you're going to get beat shit out of in Capitol Hill coming home from a bar because you're gay and you're holding Mm -hmm. your partner's hand. 
You don't know. And have mm -hmm. I experienced all that? Yes. But still quite different than being able to go to a store and not be followed. One of our big lessons that we learned was that you can hide being gay, but you cannot hide your skin color. And that was mm. eye-opening among so many other things. It kind of spiraled out of control. And we had like, you know, different media outlets reaching out and asking for questions Comments. and whatnot. And so we were kind of like, like, oh my gosh, like somebody posted Matt's address. Yeah, they said they were going to kill was, me. Like, inciting <gasps> people to go beat I know where you And we live. were getting like, we I think it was like three days. We got minimum a, a few hundred emails a day of just blatant threats of like, different things and that was a challenge it was eye-opening sure. too like because was, these people yeah. were not even looking into it they were just going with a wave like had they looked three posts up they would have seen that i am not i do not harbor any of these feelings like mm -hmm. literally three posts up three posts there was a Post where we were trying to get donations for the Latin families in North Beacon Hill because they're being locked up on the border at the time. Yeah, you know, well, still are. And I had wrote something about it and said, you should give money to these people and you should do three posts up. Nobody get, it didn't matter. They all, they targeted onto what they targeted on Twitter, by the way. I don't even go on Twitter anymore. I just, whatever. It's Twitter a is, a, is a powerful beast. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah, a nasty one. It is a nasty yeah. one. It is one where people don't use their brains, they react. And it's That's so it's so problem. easy to react on Twitter. You don't have to think. You can just repost and nope. say something nasty and it's done and you hide behind your Twitter facade. Well, I mean, you know? our, our own yep. president doesn't think. He just tweets. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird there time we're in. I mean, it's a weird time. People don't actually have to, like, take accountability they can hide behind this computer screen and say the nastiest shit, which on the receiving end still hurts. Even though yeah. you know, you have to just become this. Uh, now, of course, and luckily we have great clients, some of which are media moguls for Amazon. And so I got great advice. All of them laughed at me and said, oh, this is just your first time. Don't worry, it'll blow over. <laughs> yes. Learning how to either technically or from a messaging standpoint, come back from a negative incident like that is very difficult if you're learning it on the fly because you're because your emotions are high too like you said like you're so dysregulated because you're just like this is awful what do i do and when you're in that fight or flight you're not making smart one decisions of the, sometimes one of the things that i have watched in the last couple of months or the last month uh june is gay pride month and the overwhelming attitude for gays has been like well number one there's covid and so like we're not going out and we're not going to be doing gay pride events and basically every single gay pride event was canceled the gays came out in force for black lives matters and we we yep. basically said like look this is our pride month but we know what it's like to be a hated minority it's not mm -hmm. nearly as hard for us as it is for you my son is black and they will notice that my son is black before they will notice that I'm gay. It's so much harder to be black in this world. But that's sad. But that's just the way it? that like it is, right? But I, what I loved about it is that the gay community basically said like, you know what? This month is yours. Take it. We will just step aside. And yeah, yeah. it's been such a yeah, really yeah. beautiful experience that's coming out of these these two very negative instances and in true gay pride form where like we're not gonna let us hold us down we gay like is synonymous with happy and we are gonna just gonna take it and we're gonna keep pushing it on and so i think that you guys as, as leaders in the community and as gay men have been a huge part of that and so i just want to say thank you yeah well, well so, so have you so welcome <laughs> i love your story around your worst day in real estate and i would love to wrap yeah. this up and and if you oh, could yeah. just share with us like the the best day the day that you were like this is why i'm here 
So back in 2008, I used to have to help people out of, I couldn't figure out how to sell real estate with a good conscience. Let's put it that way. And that was the first test I had of surviving as a, mm-hmm. in this career, right? Mm-hmm. Everything stopped. Everything stopped. And I couldn't advise people, you know, oh yeah, you should buy a house right now or you should sell your house right now because that's a lie. You need to, if you don't have to sell, hold on, buckle up and, and you know, let's ride this thing out together. So how do I make a living? Uh, well, that ended up being helping people get out of them because the banks at the time, I don't, people don't remember how weird those times were, but like the banks were giving loans to anybody who could fog a mirror. And in some cases with zero down and 10% on top so they could buy furniture. Like in what world is that a good idea? In what world would that have ever been a good idea? I, I remember, um, we all remember Countrywide, synonymous with this. Countrywide, I went to a Countrywide meeting with my clients, right? And they're like, oh yeah, don't even worry about it. Prices on real estate never go down. It's never happened, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it happened in 99 and 2001. I mean, that was just a few years ago at this point, right? And I'm like, and it happened in the 80s? And it happened in the 70s? And it happened in the 60s? <laughs> so anyway, I went away with that going, oh my God, there's this mass trance people are in. And I said, I'm going to have to help people get out of this stuff. And this is what before people knew what short sales were. And mm-hmm. I had to figure it out. And I was one of the only short sale people that actually ne- negotiated away the debt. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. And I would tell them that most just hired a lawyer where they were the real estate agent, they had a lawyer, and then they just have them go bankrupt, which was a terrible way to go for them because they didn't have to. I negotiated away their debts nearly every time. So my best moments in real estate for me, and then I'll pass it to Ian, was this family that had BECU, which I will call out on this. BECU would never forgive debt and everybody knew it. And I told the clients, I was like, well, look, BECU has a terrible reputation for for doing this, but I'll try. I just want you to know it's not looking good. I threatened them with media. I threatened them with exposure. I also wrote this letter about how long those people had been uh, with BCU and how much money. I calculated how much interest they had earned from these clients. And it turned out they were losing nothing by doing this. Nothing. And then I told them, I will expose this. Guess who got all their debt relieved? And these were good people that were just caught up. You know what I mean? They had a family. And I remember that being like, (gasps) (laughs) I got BCU to forgive their debt. Oh my God. But that's what it took. good day yeah it was that's a, a great good day, day. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, amazing I, I mean how do you follow i know right Sweetheart, how you, many times you, do you, you ask think yourself you've been that with matt yes a day yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> i like the deals that are like so heavily gratifying but not for me for the client and the one that really always sticks out to me that is kind of one of my favorites is i worked with this couple years ago and they were just the sweetest family And I kind of forget how I met them, but it probably was a referral. And they came to me and they didn't have a ton of money. And she was a music teacher and he was working at UW kind of on the administrative side. They had moved here from Boston and they were kind of coming off some hard times. And their parents lived in Everett and they were helping them with their down payment. And so I think they wanted a house, like a whole house. They had these two adorable little kids. They found this place in Shoreline, which was like back in the day, but it was, I think it was just at 325 or 320, something like that. And 
It was the perfect house. We did our inspection. We were preparing to be competing on this offer. They were just, it was Brenna and John were their names. And Brenna was just like, we have to have this house. And I said, listen, I'll do anything I can to, to get it for you. So we put in our offer. The agent called me. And I think that we were like, it was something super small, like five grand apart. And they were like, the other offers cash and all this stuff. And we were financed with like 5% down and all these things. She said, what can you do? And I said, we're really at our max. You know, this is just isn't, this is going to be kind of tough. And so I hung up the phone and I was intending to call back Brenna and I just didn't. And I called back the agent and I said, listen, I'll just forego some portion of my commission that will help kind of get this done and make it happen. Mm. And she was just like, oh my gosh, that's so generous. Because a lot of agents don't typically do that. I mean, it, it, it can happen, but I just love this family so much. So anyways, uh, we did, we got it. And it was because of that. And she, I called them and I said, hey, you know, guess what? You guys are buying a house. And they literally just were bawling on the phone. Aww. They were so happy. And I was crying and they were crying. Their dog was probably crying. <laughs> and like, we were just like, it was like a whole really cute, sweet moment. And I was like, in that, in that timeline, I was just like, this is why we do this. Cause it's like the, it's the sweet stories that make it all worth it kind of thing. And it's never about money. It's like really just helping these people out that are need our help. So we're going to take the last half hour of this show just to list all the places that people can find you online. I know. <laughs> Seriously. But honestly, though, like, where can folks find you? Uh, okay, boy, well, I guess, There's like, a thousand places. Our website, uh, yeah. Facebook. What's the website yeah, address? Yeah. If you, oh, it's, uh, if you get to, a, uh, it's gethappyathome.com. Gethappyathome.com. <laughs> We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook, obviously. And you can you can find we're, all that stuff on the website, right? You can find all oh, that yeah. stuff. Oh uh-huh. okay. perfect. And and we've got our blogs on there, which are there's so many. Use the search bar. Yeah, Liter- yeah, yeah. I think that's we've something got, we have to work yeah. on on our website. Is it's not obvious as a search bar on the blog, but like at this point, there's hundreds of blogs. So you really need to use the search bar to figure out what you want to hear about. Otherwise, you're just endless reading and. Well, maybe that's good too. I don't know. <laughs> well, you guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we are, I, I had such a fun time getting to know you and getting, I love the marketing backstory. I love your stories. I love your approach towards sales. I think that anyone who listens to this, who's going to be newer to real estate has so much to learn. Cause it's just like, I know you guys, I'm sure you do have bad days. It doesn't look like it from the outside, of course, <laughs> but I just want to congratulate you on like totally killing it. You guys are so busy right now, which there are so many envious real estate agents out there, but it's like, it's so obvious that you guys did the work and so deserve this little empire you've built. So congratulations. Thank you. Ian Gordon and Matt Miner, our team get happy at home with Coldwell Banker Bain in Seattle. If you have a story you'd like to tell, reach out and find us. You can find us at spade-archer.com. Thanks guys. Bye. Cut. Okay. How great are those guys? Holy smokes, they're so fun. (laughs) And kind of crazy in the best possible way. Not afraid. And, you know, it's amazing to me to talk to them and be like, from the outside, from their social media, it just seems like, you know, their lives are perfect and everything is good and everything is great. And then they talked about like that worst day experience and you can tell it just, it hurt. Like it hurt because they're trying so hard and they're like, oh, I didn't even realize that I was hurting people. Oh, it's just so rough. 
And we're all so human. So of course that can happen to anybody. Yes. But what I love most about meeting them is just like, you know, as a marketing person into branding, it just makes my heart explode. And it doesn't matter. Like, I'm so happy for Get Happy. And I'm, I'm happy for us because I really feel like we we do this. But like, I'm happy for like a guy on the corner who sells hot dogs. I am super pumped when people get to be themselves and still create a living and a lifestyle from being themselves in their own business. Like that just makes my brain and my heart explode. Like, I think that's just like the greatest thing you can achieve in entrepreneurship. And like, I loved your story too about, you know, you went to Cuba and you were just like really able to put the whole business down. So it's like, not only did you create a business that you feel really proud in and we're putting out good product, but you get to step away from it and that continues going. Like, that's really cool too. I am incredibly lucky to have an incredible team. I mean, I have people that are so good at what they do. I'm kind of a generalist. I'm like kind of good at doing a bunch of things, but I've managed to build this team of specialists that like, you're so good at social media marketing and branding and Chad is so good at operations and Cole is mm-hmm. so good at finances mm-hmm. that it takes everything that I do and think of and elevates it to this nth degree that I'm just incredibly lucky to have you guys. And my nightmares are filled with with letters of recognition. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. I love you too much. (laughs) It's it's even more joy when your client roster is filled with people who are just as awesome at what they do. And that is definitely get happy. Like we stage for them. They make it look great. They sell the house. Their clients are happy. So their business gets bigger. So our business gets bigger. It's just like, oh, it's just like a love fest over here. It's kind of gross. We obviously love their online presence and what they've been able to do pre-pandemic. And now they're just reaping the benefits endlessly of this online brand. And then Matt told this really uh, powerful story about when it was not so great and how to respond to that. And using, of course, we're, I'm thinking about this story in relation to our journey and really what's going on right now, which is constant civil unrest, protests, Black Lives Matter, inside COVID, inside pandemic. Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone mm-hmm. has different client bases online. So like I've noticed in Portland... You know, we have really left-leaning clients with, and they have really left-leaning client bases. In Seattle, it's more of a mix. So it's just like, if you, if there's one agent doing one thing, it's not that all agents should do that. It's kind of like, how do you speak to your people in a time where you never know if what you're saying is right? Yeah. Inside this conversation about authenticity and being who you are. Like, it's kind of mind boggling and very philosophical and very meta. <laughs> well, let's talk about Get Abby and Helms presence first. Like, when we first started working with them, we would always talk about it. We're like, God, they're doing so much stuff and they have like three followers. They would make these massive, beautiful videos and it would be like, they get like three likes. And we're like, God, they were trying so hard. What is going on? And what we didn't realize is like, they were just starting off and now they put stuff out and they'll get like, you know, hundreds of likes. It's amazing. Of course. And, and yeah. that's just happened in the course of, a, of like less than a year. And we were like, what are they doing? Well, now we get it. I think that a lot of what we do with our social media presence, you know, it's very much a choose your adventure. Last year, I went through a diagnosis where I was told that I ha- would have early onset dementia by the time I was 60, I'm 45. So basically said like you have 15 years. And during this 18 month period, when I had this diagnosis, I went through and basically removed a number of people from my lives, my life and increased my relationships with a number of people. And I made the delineation very simple. If you bring pain and sorrow to my life, I'm going to remove you from my life. I'm just done. I don't, I'm not going to deal with you anymore. 
if you bring joy and happiness to my life, I want you to be in my life even more. And so mm-hmm. I really made some hard decisions on a person by person basis and ended a lot of relationships. I think what Matt and Ian do that's so great is that they kind of put a pre-filter that like, hey, if you're not cool with us being in drag or if you're not cool with my gay accent um, or if you're not cool with swears, I'm probably not your person. Right. And I love that. And I've been super excited about Spade and Archer's brand and that, you know, we're pithy and, and have a joke here and there. And if somebody's not okay with that, we're okay with that. But I also think that it is a very, very thin line to walk during a time like the COVID crisis or during Black Lives Matter. You know, there were massive protests and there was like a blackout Tuesday. Remember Blackout Tuesday where like people were just posting there was one or two agents that have a very strong social media presence that was just talking about luxury housing and they never stopped, you know, and, and even to the point where like it was put out there as like, there's so much bad stuff going on out there. Let's talk about beautiful homes instead. And like it was posed as this way of like, let's just take a break from that. And it felt, and I think this is the word that you used when I talked about how are we going to address this as homestagers? You're like, anything we stay today is going to be tone deaf. Sometimes there's a time to like, like Blackout Tuesday, there's a time to just shut up and yeah. Stop talking. There are other times where we need to make our voices heard. And we had mentioned earlier in the show about that we hired this locksmith in in, um, Los Angeles who did a terrible job, broke our locks, didn't do a good job. And I went online and I wrote a Yelp review and I said, we hired this person. They didn't do a good job. They broke the lock. They refused to come back and fix it. We hired another person. Well, that person then went and created 16 fake Google accounts and wrote one-star reviews about all three of Spade and Archer's offices in three locations. Huge lesson learned. Do not ever write a negative review about anybody if you own a business because you are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I learned that lesson in a very, very difficult way. I think that with Matt and Ian's story, it was very unintentional. There was no No no, malice malice involved. In my situation, I clearly wanted to write a negative review. There was malice there. Mm -hmm. And that's a really, really easy lesson to learn is like, you know, you don't have to say something bad about somebody. You can just keep your mouth shut because ultimately they're going to do it job for somebody else and they're gonna that person's gonna be the one who puts himself on the chopping block not you sure so there is this idea though of like uh, of white fragility and i've had a number of friends who've talked to me and they're like i don't like that term white fragility it makes me mad and i have tried to explain the idea is that that's with white so fragility, funny and ironic they would have that response to that right that's right kind of hilarious actually very ironic yes so the whole idea behind white fragility is that as a white ally you become afraid to help so let's say that that you are a white guy you're walking in the street you see a black guy that is being pinned down by a police officer or um, somebody, some Karen is trying to report them to the grocery store. And you come in with your white privilege and say, hey, I actually know this guy. He's a friend of mine and he's not, he hasn't done anything wrong. Because we are afraid to step in because we're afraid of talking about race at all becomes racist. We have this fragility that we're afraid that we're going to get our hands smacked. Or if we say, you know, the central district uh, is diverse and not knowing the background behind that, you get your hand slapped. And so then you say, well, I'm just not going to say anything at all because I just clearly am stupid about this. What I loved about Matt and Ian is that they went out, they educated themselves, they figured out what they did wrong and they learned from the lesson, which I think is huge. And so as much as we can put out there to try 
and educate ourselves and become better and be vocal advocates, the the better we're going to do. Does that make sense at all? <laughs> no, it totally does. And it's so if I were listening to this and, and, you know, I haven't done particularly anything or maybe I'm not even launch it or have a big following, it's just like, yeah, but how am I going to apply this in the moment? You know, and it's kind of just like, I think that our lessons learned because it's kind of just like, not that 2019 was that great, but it was kind of like, <laughs> those were easier times almost, you know, like we weren't making these ethical decisions on the reg about things and super difficult. So I'll just say we've learned, I think, when we don't know what to say, we return to our values. And we've talked about that inside and out on our podcast. And we return to vulnerability. So like, for example, to, to round out that story about Black Lives Matter, and we were having a conversation about, you know, what's appropriate to post and what's not. And we ended up being like, we're not going to post anything at all about real estate. We're not at all. And what we did share was like our owner, you have a has a black son. You, first of all, you're a white man married to another white man <laughs> with a black son. Yeah. So it's just like the the message was. I think it was more an appreciation and a gratitude for other people who were being vocal about it because they were the ones whose voices we needed to hear. And as the father of a black son and a business owner in real estate, you know what more were you going to add to the conversation other than like this is my whole life. This, this is, is my, my whole life. life. This is what I hustle for every day. This is why I wake up in the morning. Like, this is my everything. I've been getting a lot of phone calls from friends and from clients and from colleagues. And their first question is, how's your son? How is your son? Oh, yeah. And it's very, it's very interesting because, you know, I realized that like throughout this Black Lives Matter movement, Black civil rights and not being killed for having black skin is not a conversation that happens in white households every single day. Sure. And in our household, it is a conversation that happens every single day. We talk about what my son wears. Um, we talk about how my son acts. We talk about, I mean, when was the last time that you talked to your 15 year old and said, when you are angry, you need to practice being happy and presenting as if you were happy from the outside. Because when you're angry or scared, when a cop pulls you over, you have to practice smiling and being polite and pretending that you are not angry, which by the way, with an emotional hormonal 15 year old, this is a big, big concept, like huge. And that conversation is a conversation that happens daily in our lives. And people say, well, my life has been hard. I'm white. And you're saying that I have white privilege. White privilege to me comes down to this idea if you were never taught the three phrases that you are allowed to use with a police officer, then you have white privilege. And they I don't like, know what, what that is. I have no idea what phrases. that is. Right. I have so no idea. When you parent a black male, when you yeah. parent a boy who is black, you teach them the three phrases that they're allowed to use with a police officer. They are yes, sir, no, sir, and thank you, sir. Those wow. are the three things you are allowed to say to a police officer. And a police officer, if you ever sit down and the next time you get pulled over, just try it. It's really interesting that they will, a police officer will not ask you any question that it cannot be answered with yes, sir, no, sir, or thank you, sir. Right. Do you know how fast you're driving? No, sir. When you're white, you don't ever need to learn that. You can go through your entire lifetime and not teach that as a parent of a white child. Yep. You don't ever have to teach that. When your kid is black, these are things that worry you. And that's where the idea of, of white privilege comes to a point to me. It's not about being rich. It's not about having more things or being able to own a home. It's about the safety protocols that you have to put just to stay alive. Our life really hasn't changed very much with Black Lives Matter because it's something that we talk about 
every single day, day in and day out. And my poor son, my husband, uh, he loves a good documentary. And like when we're, <laughs> we're making our son sit down and watch a TV show for us, and it's like the 19th documentary about how white people are to black people. <laughs> we're like, dude, can we like let him watch Family Guy or something that oh isn't God, about so like funny. slavery? That would be so great. And so, you know, that's that's how we are doing in this time. Really what we wanted to convey in our social media presence was just like, we're experiencing heaviness too, but it's not because of events this week. I mean, obviously things are heavier and like we never want to see death occur at the hands of police because of race. I mean, the whole thing is insane and there's so much of it and it's so loud in our culture. But like, you're like, we live these anxieties, we live them. And we just wanted to be able to communicate that and be grateful to the community who knows you because every single time someone stages with us, they are supporting you and your family. Right. And they're supporting all of our families. Like yeah. being a small business owner during the COVID crisis kind of sucks. And yeah. you know, <laughs> like, if you can hire a small business, hire a small business. And just remember agents, you know, your real estate agents, uh, home stagers, photographers, landscapers, painters. These are all small locally owned business. The more that you can employ those folks to get these houses back on the market, the more these people are still going to be in business when this crisis is over. It's amazing to me, like we dropped our prices close to 30% in all of our offices. And it's amazing to me that even after a 30% price drop to stay alive during COVID, we still have agents who call us up and like, oh, you're really expensive. I'm like, okay, I know that's your job to beat me down. But dude, I'm just a small business owner and I'm trying to stay alive. That's it. Yeah, that's all it comes down to. I think that the more we can be kind to each other, the more space we can give each other to have our freakouts, the better off we're all going to be. I think that in addition to just Black Lives Matter stuff, if people really ever feel super stuck on what to do with their social media presence, their online presence, their influence, is if you don't know what to do, ask. I feel like we did that with COVID when it first came out. You know, everyone in the world was like, what the hell? But we were especially like, what do we do with our clients? Should we open? Should we close? People are so upset either direction. What do we do? And we just completely aired that whole conversation and that whole dilemma with our entire following, we just put it out to all of our channels and we said, okay, well, these are the decisions we're making for these specific reasons. We're being mm-hmm. as careful as possible while keeping business open. Um, but what, what are you doing? How, yeah. how are you doing? Like we, we wanted to engage with the most important people who keep our business running, which is our clients. Yeah. And so you can also use social media that way. You don't have to always be a 24-7 activist in every single scenario, but you can rather use it as a format to engage. And I think that that's just as valid. If you're a real estate agent out there and you've got questions around your social media presence and you just need somebody to bounce it off of, reach out to us. You can find us at spade-archer.com. If you've got a story that you want to tell behind your yard sign, find us. Our theme music is composed and performed by Joff Metz. You can find us at spade-archer.com. Thanks so much, Kelly. This production of Behind the Yard Sign was brought to you live from the Spade and Archer Studios. Spade and Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager.